Ulterior. Everyone, Artisan here, or Carlos, or whatever you know me as. Now, it had been a minute since I used that version of the intro, but I did have this sense of nostalgia, in a way, because of the premise of this episode and what it actually entails. And as you can see by the title and all that sort of shit, this is the 100th weekly episode. A hundred of these shits. Why did y'all do that? Why did y'all let me make it this far? Whatever the case is, thank you. And I really do mean that. So what you'll be hearing for the remaining duration of the episode is my producer Alex interviewing me and kind of, you know, giving you guys like an insight into who I am, certain things I've learned along the way, maybe some mistakes, things I look forward to in the future, hypotheticals, all that sort of stuff. So uh, please stick around and enjoy this very special episode of the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for tapping in and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I think it would only be fair if I uh, pass the word to you, Carlos, uh, and ask you, first of all, what is going on here? And what is this voice currently asking you this question? <laughs> so this is something that I wanted to set up as the 100th weekly episode of the show. Um, that number means something to me because... A while back when I started doing podcasts, I thought there's no way that I can ever maintain a level of consistency to the point of getting to 10 episodes, 20 episodes, 50 episodes, and now I'm at 100. So I wanted to commemorate that and do something different. And so what we are doing today is conducting an interview with myself. And the goal with this hopefully would be to let some of you guys, you know, get a better insight into who I am as opposed to just listening to this voice every week or bi-weekly and not really know who it is talking outside of me spewing music opinions. All right. Um, my name is Alex, for the record, and uh, that's all you probably need to know. Uh, I help a little. <laughs> so, um, you help a lot. Yeah, well, um, so you mentioned the 100 episode milestone, and I wanted to ask you about that. Um, I wanted to ask what it means to you personally, like the fact that you got to this milestone and probably like what have you learned along the way up to this point? It, it means a great deal to me, actually, because I... Don't usually give myself credit in terms of like sticking to a goal. Um, I always told people that the only reason I ever finished college was just out of like, you know, stubbornness. Like, well, I came this far, I might as well keep going as opposed to having like a real drive for what I was doing. So getting to 100 episodes for this podcast, it just means that I found something I enjoy and I stuck with it. And 
I don't usually do that. You know, whether it's like watching a new anime series, sometimes I fall off on it or like playing a new video game. Sometimes I don't maintain enough interest in it to keep going. But this I did. And as far as like what I've learned along the way, I've kind of just learned how to articulate articulate certain things because I don't know if I beforehand had the ability to be like, okay, here is this pop punk album and here's how I feel about it or here's how I feel about this deathcore album. I've kind of learned how I feel about things and how I enjoy expressing those feelings. Um, going back to the moment when you started this podcast, I do think it's, you know, it warrants asking since, you know, for some people, it might be their hundredth episode checking in. Uh, for some, it might be their first one. And I would personally like to ask you, um, what was the initial like motivation and drive behind starting Ulterior, and I guess if it has changed over time since you started. It was initially something that I kind of toyed with all the way back in 2019, and I had no real reason to do it outside of just wanting like a personal record and a personal diary of sorts for how I felt about certain releases in the scene, and that was kind of like the initial goal of it was just something for myself. And over time it's become, okay, there are people who care. Like the weekly episodes do get listeners and the stuff that I post on social media, band members and labels do interact with it. And this is a way for me to, aside from just express how I feel, get people to listen to new things. And I feel like that's kind of become the driving force in all this is just, you know, telling somebody, hey, here is this album that might be something that you're into. And then that creates at least one new listener for a project that maybe I also feel passionate about. And so that's kind of been the thing that changed the most about it. It's not so much for myself anymore as it is for others to learn about new bands and songs that they may not have found otherwise. With that said, um, can you remember maybe a smaller artist or smaller release that you gave some love for, but ultimately you felt like it largely went underappreciated? Maybe you want to use this as an extra opportunity to shine some light on a smaller artist or release. In 2021, um, there was an EP out by a band named Mallory Run, and I was just so captivated by the EP, and I ended up showing it a lot of love in the year-end episodes for one of the best EPs of the year, and then a song called Picture Perfect was one of my favorite songs of the year. I think it was like number 18 or 17 in the top 100, so that kind of shows how strongly I felt about it. And maybe it's just because that was my first year doing podcasts, I did not have as much reach as I do now, but I just did not see any, you know, appreciation for it afterwards. Not many people that I talked to checked out that EP and that song specifically. And it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, I wish that this platform had a bigger reach already because then that could have been something that 
you know, got exposed to in, in a grander manner. Well, they, they, you heard it, people, you know, fix your shit up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I wanted to also ask you about um, outlets and content creators that you respect or occasionally look to for inspiration. Um, I know that in, you know, recent months, let's say, you referenced and you uh, commented on, you know, maybe some of the more obvious names like Finn from Punk Rock MVA or, you know, the the melon right but uh perhaps mm. that perhaps there are other people in the music content space or outside of it that you would also like to shout out as influences or someone that you respect or just enjoy in your personal time so i i feel like most people who listen to this show that also listen to the state of the scene can draw the parallels everything i do kind of doesn't exist without them. Um, I've definitely taken inspiration from them in terms of like how I format episodes and what I try to do with each episode and the weekly concept altogether. Like the initial reason why I didn't know if I wanted to do weekly episodes was because I felt like that was ground that they already had covered. So SOTS, like I said, without them, none of this happened. Um, Nick Nocturnals, another person who I look to and I think like, what he does is really cool and inspirational and it's definitely something that I want to do at some point in the future in terms of like being able to live stream and, you know, having, uh, that connection with certain artists in the scene. Um, even like reactors like metal burb and Orion, I think that what they also do is very cool and it is something that I, you know, would love to see for myself one day. And uh, do you have anyone you would like to shout out from outside of the music content sphere? Uh, perhaps you have like influences or like content creators, um, outlets that you also pull like certain ideas or inspiration from, you know, from for like your, your visuals, your branding, anything else? Um, not really so much. Like there's definitely like, content creators within like the video game space that i enjoy so uh twitch streamers like um like valkyrie saikuno things like that but as far as like taking certain things from them i wouldn't say that's ever happened it's mainly me looking at what's working in the scene space and kind of trying to see like okay how can i fit this to my brand and what i do i see thank you um i wanted to ask you uh, I guess, about what happens behind the scenes of the podcast and even behind the scenes of, you know, like what I see uh, when working on some of the content. Um, how does an ulterior episode usually come together? And has that has that routine changed over time, I guess? So it's definitely changed from what it initially was. Um, when I started doing week episodes back in April of 2021, I wanted to make it a point to talk about every single album and every single that came into my space. And within like a five or six week period, I was already burnt out because that included me talking about like 40 singles a week with like 10 albums and four EPs or some combination of that. 
And that's just a lot to take on for anybody. You know, as much as I wish I could show that kind of love to every album and single that I hear, it's just not possible without me burning myself out. So that's definitely the biggest change. The biggest thing that changed over time was picking and choosing what it is I talk about weekly. And that's a process in and of itself because that includes me sitting down and hearing like maybe 30 or 35 singles and being like, okay, which are the five or seven or eight that I want to take from this week's crops of releases and talk about and highlight on the show? And that doesn't really go into the same um, discussion for albums and EPs. I generally try to talk about every one of those on a week-to-week basis, but it's still very taxing and demanding because it's not just like, okay, I hear this album all the way through once and then hear my thoughts on it. No, I feel like with albums and EPs, you do kind of need to like spend some time with them and sit with them. And one listen's not going to do enough for that. So I do give everything like two or three listens and really collect my thoughts. And that's kind of what makes it to where I can't get these episodes out, you know, right when the album is out. It takes time. And that's because I don't want to rush myself because I feel like if I do that, I will not give myself or anybody else the full scope of what it is I really feel about these releases. Yeah, I I suppose uh, you know it it helps if and when right an opportunity arises to hear a record early right if a, if an artist or a label uh, sends you like a preview or something along those lines but if you hear it along with you know the rest of the public you you always as a content creator are presented with that dilemma of like do I go fast <laughs> right and like just bump out a mm-hmm. review with like my first impressions or do I choose to sit on it and maybe you know result in better content right and better formula- formulated thoughts yeah but it might it might come at the expense of some of that like early wave of interest in the content that covers that release right yeah so um you mentioned interactions with artists and labels and uh, band members um, on, on social media and with your content, um, maybe including that or going beyond that, uh, what are some of the, I guess, proudest or most meaningful to you personally moments or accomplishments with, your, with, the, with the podcast so far? One of the interactions that really meant a lot to me was with a band called Sharia Moore. Uh, I reviewed their album Spiritual Ascension last year, and the members showed love to it on Instagram and Twitter. And that especially meant a lot to me because I remember finding them when they released their first single back in 2021. And it was at a time in my life where, you know, not to get like too personal or dark, but just things weren't really um, going so well for me. And finding that specific song at that specific time it really did help me and it was they were a band that i just like you know kept up with throughout the year and then to know that they saw what i did and made sure to share it with their audience and let people know about the podcast and the review that really did mean a lot to me and the same thing recently with like uh, hollow front and having several band members share the review I did for their single and then getting, you know, a DM thanking me. Um, that is 
very special to me. And I do, you know, hold that near to my heart. You mentioned, um, like, in our conversations about content or future plans, you mentioned thoughts about, um, you know, collaborating with people or bringing on some guests um, for, like, certain special occasions. Um, I guess I would like to ask if you had some kind of you know, bucket list of just like your dream yeah dream collaborations or dream guests people that you would just love to uh, ask some questions or pick their brains or just talk about something maybe something random you know something not obvious necessarily so there are definitely a lot of people who i you know, I see what they do and I think I would really love the chance to talk to them. I think the biggest one, and maybe it's only because like, um, he also has a podcast. So I've been able to like, kind of like, you know, get a bit of more insight into him as opposed to other people. But, uh, Craig Reynolds from, uh, straight from the path, uh, he does a downbeat podcast and he's also, I should mention him earlier, actually, now that I think about it as somebody who has kind of given me inspiration for what I do and just getting to listen to him and understand like, his thought process on certain things and how well he can articulate his flow of words. I think collaborating with him in some capacity in the future would really be special to me. And uh, he's definitely somebody who comes to mind immediately when asked about that. Also great merch. Great merch. Definitely. Definitely. Um, On that point, I also would like to know if you want to, Tell people, if you want to tell the listeners, um, if you had thoughts about how you would like to grow or expand Ulterior, you mentioned the possibility of live streams and so on. So as I understand, in your imagination, in your long-term thinking, you don't think of it as just something strictly limited to the podcast format is that correct correct yeah so would you like to elaborate on how exactly you see that happening or have you considered uh other like extensions or avenues that you would like to explore so when i think about like the future and what i could do to expand live streaming is the biggest one but then also just in general more video content so, you know, stuff for TikTok and YouTube, maybe doing a like a visual aspect of the podcast where I can kind of like show myself and let people get that insight. Because I feel like, you know, a, a voice does a lot in terms of getting across a message, but then so do facial expressions and body language. And if people could like see exactly how I, you know, like what I feel, uh, for an aesthetic about a certain project, maybe that gets across better as opposed to just hearing my voice. And it's definitely something that I want to look into in the future. And I do have hopes that video content for YouTube and TikTok and live streaming on Twitch, whatever it might be, that can help out in terms of the expansion and the growth of the show. Yeah, and probably it's another good opportunity, especially with live streams and stuff to uh, fulfill that wish of yeah, bringing people on, collaborating. I think it always works much better. At least it works really well in the live format with the possibility to interact with 
viewers and audiences in real time. So I think it could be fun. So um, here's a thought experiment to build on what we've just been talking about. Let's say, okay. let's say you get an email and essentially the offer is you get $10,000 worth of investment into ulterior, no strings attached. What do you do with that budget? The first thing would be equipment. Um, so, you know, like I, I like the microphone I use and I have like sentimental attachment to it, but maybe looking into something of like a higher grade would be worth um, exploring. And then also like, you know, an audio mixer. And then when I mentioned video content, uh, investing in high quality or a high quality camera and then like lighting equipment, things like that. Um, maybe like a a separate like desktop or a MacBook just strictly for ulterior so that I can have all of my files in one place as opposed to, you know, having to dig through like certain other things uh, to find what I need. Um, just stuff like that, I feel like would be the, um, the immediate investment uh, because the equipment is the, you need the equipment to, to kind of expand and branch yourself. Like I remember I first started doing this show on like a, honestly a shitty windows uh, laptop and then the um the apple earbuds that have like the the microphone attachment on the on the wire and you can definitely hear the the, the low end uh quality of those episodes so to be able to go from you know something like that into having this like full high-end studio set up uh that's what the investment would immediately be used for the Alexander of the conversation brought to you by a shitty Windows laptop. So, um, it is, it yeah. is what it is. It, is, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's commendable because I think for a lot of people, it can be a turnoff. It can be something that essentially with time can become an excuse to just keep pushing back, uh, getting started with something they may want to try out. Um, but the reality is that there's, you know, there's never a perfect time to get started with something that you want to do, uh, whether that's something in life or just, you know, something creative. Um, so that's kind of, I, th I think, w what we both can confess to, probably, uh, from personal experience. Um, <laughs> right. You mentioned uh, a meaningful moment uh, to you with uh, Sherry Moore, for instance. Um I wanted to present you with a question that covers um, the time before you've uh, been doing this podcast. Uh, and that is, what are some records or notable moments in music or scene history from before the podcast started that you would have liked Ulterior to have been around for and what you would like to have said in your coverage about that? There are a couple of bands from the years prior that I feel like did not get enough love and attention and I would have loved to have been able to, you know, provide that for them. So I think back to 2017, I think of bands like My Enemies and I and The White Noise and I think that was also the year of the last Sworn In album. Getting to talk about things like that, like it would have been really special to me because like whenever I talk to people over Discord or whatever it might be now, I 
I can only be like, oh yeah, this band, you know, they wore grades. I don't know what happened to them, but they meant a lot to me. I would have loved to have been able to talk about them in a present tense and be like, this is an album that you should be listening to. This is a song that you need to be paying attention to. And so having this platform back then, I would have loved that chance. This is another um, retrospective kind of question. Um, but it, I guess it, it is uh, a bit more playful um, because, uh, yeah, it's just something that uh, I'd like you to think about. And that is um, obviously, you know, with having a podcast and expressing your opinions and views on music and artists, uh, you are bound to, uh, I guess, find yourself changing your thoughts or opinions about certain things with time. Um, and uh, mm -hmm. what I want to ask you is, which of your reviews or opinions have aged best and worst for you personally as well as maybe for reasons outside of your you know control um i'm not gonna go into like the specifics of what happened to make this the case but um i remember so at like towards the end of the year every year what i've tried to do is make an episode where i look back on the top 50 songs And obviously some things can change and things can happen. Um, so I couldn't ignore that in the year before I had a song by Tilly and Pearson in the top 50. It happened, you know, it is what it is. And I just had to mention in the episode that I did the next year, where I talked about the top 50 from the prior year. I had to be like, yeah, his song was here. You know, I can't talk about it anymore, but It happened, and yeah, let's move on from that. Um, that's one that aged like pretty badly. And then also just my own changing opinions. Like when I reviewed uh, Take Me Back to Eden by Sleep Token earlier in the year, I had to mention that the prior album, This Place Will Become Your Tomb, I gave it like a nine or a nine and a half, but that was just because I didn't really feel like the chance, taking the chance of putting this poor review out there and then having sleep token fans who i know now are very very rabid uh find it and be like oh fuck you fuck your show you know whatever it might be <laughs> um that's an example of like you know things not really aging well because i can admit now i do not really care about that album uh take me out to eden i fucking love but everything before them i truly thought was kind of boring but i could not bring myself to say that publicly mm -hmm. and Yeah, that's that's an interesting way. I was uh, I remember listening to that review for "Take Me Back to Eden" and like, and you addressing the fact that you've basically been, I guess you felt indirectly bullied into praising <laughs> this place of become you too, which uh, that that is uh, that is when you know that a fandom is like really powerful when you don't even have to like directly cross paths with it. <laughs> just to know to steer clear to 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 stay on their good side um so right yeah, right yeah that is a that is a powerful powerful fandom right there um you mentioned uh obviously earlier um showing love to smaller artists or artists that are kind of in the earlier stages of their career um i wanted to ask you uh which artists or bands careers you have enjoyed 
following the most in the time that you've been doing the podcast? Let me see. This might be like a a cliche answer, but it really might be bad omens. Because when I started the podcast, this was like in the period of the pandemic. So in between uh, Finding God and then um, The Death of Peace of Mind. And I would just talk about them occasionally and be like, yeah, I really like this band. You know, you guys should go check them out. And now I don't even need to tell people to go check them out. They know who they are. They've already ran up their streaming numbers and their merch sales. And, you know, I remember talking about the Death of Peace of Mind, reviewing it when it initially released and just being like, yeah, I hope people check this album out. I hope that it can do well for the band. I, I think it's done well for them. I think it's done pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been thinking about this the other day. And I just, I'm, I'm curious if you would back me up on that or tell me that I'm slightly off but i feel like prior to the cycle for the death of peace of mind and that sort of lead single drop i feel like the the space or the level that bad almonds occupied at that time was something like the level that I think of when I think of a band like Thousand Below. I just like sound similarity, you know, like it's like Thousand Below is a band that I have a lot of love for, right? And it's a band that like, Mm -hmm. when I think of their material, I think like they should be way bigger. Not that they're like somehow not doing well enough for themselves, but I feel like this is a band that has so much potential to go to their sort of next level of appreciation and popularity. And I feel like this is where I remember Bad Omens being for myself as a listener. Mm -hmm. And then that sort of obviously leap happening in a very, I guess, relatively short span of time. And I just, uh, I'm curious if you, if you feel the same way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I would say that I do feel the same because I did see them as, you know, in the same category as bands like maybe Thousand Below or The Plot and You or Holding Absence or Don Broco and like they could break out. I don't know if they will, but they could. And it felt like this holding pattern of sorts for those kinds of bands. And then Bad Omens just happened to be the ones that completely shot into the fucking stratosphere. And like now... I don't talk about them in the same breath as those bands in terms of like levels. Like we're kind of nearing like bring me the horizon levels of this band's notoriety and just how fucking crazy the fans online go for them. And I'm really happy about that because I've championed this band ever since their debut album. And I am genuinely just so happy that they've gotten to this place. Not really happy about how certain fans go about showing their appreciation for them. But in terms of just like what they've been able to achieve and their success, I'm over the moon about that. And this is the obligatory TikTok moment for the clip about Bad Omens done. Uh, so hello, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Producer brain never turns off. Hello, hello, TikTok. Yes. I appreciate the love for the Bad Omens video. Yes. Hello, Bad Omens TikTok fans. Um, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one. Um, yeah. Um, 
I wanted to also mention go back slightly to the the subject you mentioned when talking about some of the bands that you would have liked to talk around to talk about if the podcast was around in you know let's say 2017 um the last few years have given us quite a lot of comebacks and reunions and i'm curious if there is a band or an artist or maybe a couple that you miss that have not yet been active in the 2020s and you would like to see them reunite or go back to releasing new material i guess so I did mention My Enemies and I earlier. Um, they're like the immediate thought when people ask me like, uh, you know, what band do you miss or things like that. Um, I just felt like their image was just so perfect for their sound and the like the ominous brooding factor they had going for them. I really enjoyed. I was listening to Mallory Knox earlier and just thinking like, man, this band was so fucking cool. Like, I, I definitely miss them, and I definitely wish that there was, you know, some kind of new material so that I could speak about it on the show. Um, yeah, just bands like that. I, I re- really feel like I, I would have taken full advantage of the chance to, you know, gas them up on the weekly episodes and take every opportunity that I could to tell people how great and amazing I think they are. Mallory Knox walked, so holding absence could run. That's my hot take. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. They were holding. They were my holding absence before holding absence. So yeah, that 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 first like that uh, debut album and the follow up, Chef's mm-hmm. Kiss. For real, for real. I love Mallory Knox. Yeah. If uh, if holding absence released Lonely Hours today. It would be fucking massive. That song would just like... It, it would be basically holding absence as uh, just pretend. That's my hot take. I feel like it would. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely see that. Yeah. It's just... It's the chorus. It's the chorus. It's just... It just doesn't. Um, I would like to ask you about, you know, le- lessons learned just to kind of br- bring you back to that sort of point like the, the the experience right because a hundred episodes you know that's a lot of practice if nothing else right and um mm-hmm. I'll, i want i want to ask about maybe mistakes if you would call them that have been made along the way and what you've learned from those specifically do you feel like you've made any mistakes do you wish you you would have done anything differently um I definitely feel like, and this is specifically looking back on like the 2021 episode. So when the show was starting out, um, to me, a lot of those early episodes, maybe like the first 20 or 25 are almost unlistenable because I had this thing that I wanted to stick to and not include song clips from the albums and the EPs and the singles I talk about. And the reason that I didn't want to do that was because SOTS already did it. But the reason SOTS does it is because it provides this glimpse into what it is that you're talking about. So with those early episodes, I'm literally just like, hey, here is this new single by Motionless and White. 
and then I just go into talking about the single. There's no sort of briefing to anybody who might not have heard the song about what it sounds like. And I feel like, to me, that makes those first couple of episodes, you know, like I said, unlistenable. Like, I can't really go back to them and appreciate them the same way that I can some some of the more recent stuff. And that's just my own stubbornness and belief like, oh, I have to be different. I have to do things differently. No, if something works, fucking do it. You know, there's a reason why it works. Yeah, I back that. Um, on the clips, uh, song clips part, how do you how do you choose which part of a song to feature as a clip, as a preview? So it kind of depends on like the genre. So with like modern metalcore, pop punk, I usually stick with the uh, the chorus. But then if it's something you know a bit heavier within the realm of like like heavier metalcore or deathcore, I kind of try to see like, okay, what part of this song stuck with me the most? Like whether it's the breakdown or just this crazy instrumental section, like whatever I felt like I could take from that song and use it to capture somebody, that's what I turn to. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the chorus. It can be something like a cool moment or, um, you know, just like a really gnarly breakdown. That's mainly what I turn to and feel like, you know, or I'd think to myself, like, what 20 seconds can I take from this to, you know, captivate somebody? All right. You mentioned earlier when talking about maybe certain reviews or certain inclusions that for one reason or another didn't age so well. Um, it may be related to that, maybe not. Um, but I want to to ask about what your top five let's say values or principles are that you lead with when doing the podcast and choosing what to cover and how so the first one is integrity um as like cliche as that might sound but integrity in the sense of like we know that there are certain bands who um maybe for like PR purposes or anything like that wouldn't really be wise to cover. I don't need to go into names. I don't believe so. But um, you guys, you guys is in like everybody listening right now. Uh, you know who those bands are. You know the stories that follow them. So, uh, you know, it really doesn't matter what kind of a history I have with that band. If I liked earlier material or whatever it might be, if there's justifiable reason morally and ethically to not cover them, I don't. So that's like one value. Um, being honest with everybody is something that I've really tried to hammer in, you know, post the sleep token stuff I mentioned about like, oh, I don't know how this would go across, get across as a review for fear of backlash. Um, just really being honest with everybody, uh, you know, not being afraid to say when I don't like something or when I feel like something is like truly remarkable and outstanding. Um, as far as like other views or like a top five, um, being fair, I feel like is definitely something that like I have really tried instilling in the show and just, you know, understanding like I'm here to express my opinion, but there are some instances where my opinion about something doesn't really, really matter in terms of covering like, you know, um, I'm really trying to think of an example, but like, like of a band that maybe I don't think so highly of, but they're definitely huge for a lot of people. Um, 
I think a good example of that might be August Burns Red. So I personally, I'm not super into August Burns Red. I've said that on the show before. I think what they do is very formulaic and not something that I'm into. But I understand that their fan base is so dedicated and they adore August Burns Red. So I definitely try to make sure I mention in the review, like, you know, don't really take what I say as gospel. Like, if you like this stuff, go listen to it. Like, I'm just here to express my opinion. I am not saying anything absolute or concrete in terms of how something should be received and perceived. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I look to in terms of like making sure I instill these values in weekly episodes. I know that wasn't a top five, but I feel like to really get into that, I'd have to like think about it more thoroughly and, and have more time to process a real answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that answer more than made up for it in quality, for quantity. Um, you mentioned an interesting point, and I, I, I don't know if you necessarily have an example or an instance to that, but I would be remiss not to ask if you have ever, for one reason or another, uh, had to, I guess, hold yourself back from like really unfairly tearing into a record or a song or an artist and just ask yourself like wait like this is coming off as like biased or just like kind of hateful uh why am i well i guess why am i feeling like this so the biggest one that comes to mind and i'm gonna preface this by saying I truly do love this album and I love this band. But when I think about how I reviewed Pain Remains by Lorna Shore, I feel like that whole review could just be like minimized to a couple of words. And those words would be, I don't like any of these songs as much as I like To the Hellfire. And I feel like that really did cloud that review and I wasn't fair to it. And if I could go back, I definitely would change how I approached that review and that record altogether because it definitely, at least to me, did come across as like, oh, it's not as good as what I wanted it to be as good as. All right. See, an, op an opportunity to uh, provide a mild what, retraction, <laughs> right, for that. Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah. I, like, not to, like, go off more tangentially about Lorna Shore, because I feel like a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but definitely some people, um, you know, perceive them to maybe be, like, um, like, they're, Deathcore fans might look at Lorna Shore and be like, oh, you're, like, now too commercial or, like, big for Deathcore. Like, that's, I, I definitely did not want to have my review be misconstrued with those points because I don't agree with them. But I feel like they kind of did get misconstrued in that way. And if I could go back, I definitely would redo that review. And if anybody needs to hear it, I love Lorna Shore. I love Pain Remains. I, I love that band altogether. And yeah, I just would like to retract certain approaches that I took for that review. If death, if um, if Lorna Shore is too big for Deathcore, Deathcore is not big enough for Lorna Shore. Boom. <laughs> Absolutely. Mic drop. I'll walk myself out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess one thing that I want to give you an opportunity to do is to just 
tell the listeners anything that they may not know about you now that anything that we may not have touched on that you believe is relevant to well, what you do why you do it or like who the person behind the microphone is and why you would like them to know that about you I think the biggest thing potentially would be my adoration for anime. And the reason why I feel like that is relevant is because I've definitely like borrowed a lot from voice acting for my cadence. Um, not that I'm putting on an act of my voice in any way, but just the way that I articulate certain things and I might come across as like scripted sometimes. It's not that I am scripted or anything like that. It's just that I've turned to a medium like anime, which is definitely over the top sometimes with how, uh, you know, characters um, express themselves. But I'd be lying to anybody if I didn't say like, oh, yeah, a lot of what I do vocally is inspired by anime and voice acting. And so if anybody's ever listened to me and think like, man, this guy talks too much. He um, enunciates things, you know, a, a little bit oddly. There's a reason for that. It's just because I fucking love anime and I take a lot of inspiration from the voice acting in that. Maybe there's a career in voice acting waiting for you. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Dubbing anime. Maybe that's maybe that's the long-term game. Imagine that. <laughs> I I've been told before that I should get into like voice acting or something related to my voice. I tell them that I have a podcast, but they're like, "Okay, but like maybe voice acting specifically for anime would be my uh my outlet in my endeavor." So, you know, uh, never say never could happen. Yeah. When I uh, when I started editing content uh, for for um, for you know for social media for you, um, one of the first things that um, my wife said when she heard like the podcast, I think it was when she was when I played one of the episodes, it was uh, one of the first things that she said was like, "That's a that's a distinct." sounding voice so i think you put it to good use <laughs> i would hope so yeah. yeah so yeah um i think that's uh pretty much everything that i had um in store uh so um i suppose any any special words for the listeners before we sign off so i kind of said at the top of the interview that you know 100 episodes means something to me and I really, really do not want that to go like, you know, unchecked or fly under the radar in any way. Like, guys, I have such a hard time with consistency with anything in my life. You know, I mentioned like falling off a certain anime, falling off a certain video games. Even like, you know, as a kid, like I would move from interest to interest like pretty quickly, uh, you know, saying like, oh, I'm going to follow basketball or football thoroughly this season. And then I end up just not doing it. Um, so getting to a hundred episodes is really fucking special to me, but that does not happen on my own. Like there has to be an audience out there willing to listen to me waffle and be tangential about fucking C music of all things. And a lot of you guys have shown up time after time, week after week, year after year. And sometimes I don't get it. Sometimes I wonder what is it that's so distinct and special about what I do but I feel like I don't really I shouldn't take the time to think about it because it happened 
and just let it be what it is. So above all else, you know, I can take this time to pat myself on the back and be like, yeah, I did it. I got to 100 episodes. I also feel like you guys helped get me to 100 episodes. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Thank you for believing in what I do. Thank you for running up the view count on TikTok and Instagram Reels and the stream numbers on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Pod, Google Podcasts. I don't know why I got so tripped over saying that. Um, you guys really help a lot. And I don't want that to go unnoticed or underappreciated. Thank you so much. Here's to 100 more. And that's it. That was me being interviewed by Alex and me kind of explaining, you know, why I chose to go about episode 100 this way and what that number means to me, what the show means to me, what you guys mean to me, what the future can hold, what the past has brought me and everything within those boundaries. So yeah, I don't feel like I need to go too much further for an outro because, you know, you guys, if you heard it all the way through, first of all, thank you if you did. And then secondly, you've already heard me waffle enough and really explain what it is about ulterior that, you know, means so much to me. And I would hope subsequently also means a lot to you guys out there in the scene. Thank you for listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed this special episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene.